the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between. This is Brewers Weekly. Here's Dominic Catronio. We are less than a week away from watching guys play catch in the outfield. Yes! Pitchers and catchers report next week. That's right. This is the last Brewers Weekly in which we don't actually have baseball activities to talk about until October. Hopefully late into October. Sign me up. I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks for making us a part of your Wednesday evening. Tommy Wartz is our producer this evening as well. Big show for you today. Tweeted it a little sec- uh, second ago. Tweeted it this morning about the rosters. Man, I did not expect this much interaction from a simple roster graphic, but y'all are ready for baseball. That That's what it tells me. I, I'm very excited. We're going to talk a lot about my first roster projection. It does not mean it's set in stone. I am very okay with being wrong. I have been wrong many times before. I will be wrong again. Just being real. But I do want to explain some of the decisions and some of the common questions that we got on this graphic, uh, on what I saw and the source I got it from and things of that nature. We're going to talk to Kurt Hogue as well, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He put out three great pieces this week, one on Jackson Chordio, one on Robert Gasser, and another on Joey Weimer, talking a future for the Brew Crew. We're going to talk to him about those three guys and a little bit of the Brewers moving forward uh, in about 10 minutes, a little less than 10 minutes or so here on WTMJ. Uh, With LeBron breaking the record, I, I got into a mode of looking into some unbreakable baseball records. I really fell down a rabbit hole on this. Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy it. And then also, we do got to talk about some uh, recent news that came today. Uh, we'll start here. This is coming from Adam McCalvey. We don't, we aren't exactly clear how much of an impact this is actually going to make. But Adam McCalvey reporting that while catching up with. Brewers general manager Matt Arnold Ashby mentioned uh, Aaron Ashby is behind in camp with what the club is characterizing as shoulder fatigue. Remember last year, Ashby spent multiple trips on the IL and spent the last three weeks of the season with shoulder inflammation. They're going to play it safe. So uh, also recently at the hot scove cold brews, Ashby mentioned this when talking to Craig Kishon. So uh, one of the things that, uh, it shouldn't be that surprising, but it is a little worrisome. But it's a reminder that when the Wade Miley deal came across the wire, it shouldn't have been that surprising that depth is a good thing. And the Brewers were starting to load the dam, if you will, in case injuries were going to pop up because, guys, injuries will pop up. It's death, taxes, and injuries. It's plain and simple. So keep in mind, Ashby, it's not, you know, shut him down. He's not way behind. He's just... A few weeks behind in camp, probably going to reassess. Don't think we're way too early to be talking about injured list stints and things of that nature. We're still a month and a half away. I mean, essentially seven weeks from opening day, 50 days. So just keep that in mind as we look through these roster projections a little bit later on. But when it comes to Ashby, you remember his season last year, the Brewers were sticking with the five man rotation, but then. They had to thrust him into the starting rotation due to injuries elsewhere. And all of a sudden, his arm got taxed. And he had to miss time during the season. And for somebody that as as talented as he is, I think he was forced into a role he wasn't quite ready for. Yes, I know he was a starter in the minor leagues. And I think he's a very, very, very talented pitcher. But the way that he just shot out of a cannon in 2021 with his slider and his devastating stuff, finding ways to craft around guys multiple times through an order, 
big league hitters for that matter, maybe it was something of a challenge that he wasn't expecting to be as hard as it was for him. And his health is going to be a key for him. He can run it up there to 97 with that two-seamer. And the slider and the curveball are such great secondary offerings. Uh, Aaron Ashby healthy is going to be a massive key for the Brewers in 2023. So just to go way ahead of ourselves here, because that's what we do. We, we, you know, we like to look ahead and freak out about things that are little. But if, if Ashby had to start the season on the IL, you'd be looking at a swingman role, a reliever role that the Brewers need to fill. You've already got Adrian Hauser probably headed to the bullpen. You've signed Bryce Wilson as well. But what do you do with uh, the lack of lefties in your bullpen? If Ashby is not good to go on opening day, you'll only have one lefty, and that's Hobie Milner. So do you actually give Alex Claudio a look? He's an on-roster invitee. He would have to be added to the 40-man. Or would he just say, forget it, we're going to roll with righties, and hopefully it doesn't come back to burn them. So the Brewers have some talking to do about their bullpen. We're going to talk about that later on in the show here. But... Ashby, remember, was not really looked on to be a starter this season unless absolutely needed to. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, they're good to go. Lauer, good to go. You would expect Wade Miley to be good to go, which is what we heard during his media availability when he was signed. He he expects to be good to go for opening day. So something else would have to change between now and then for the Brewers to suddenly have to, oh my gosh, got to fill Aaron Ashby. It's way too early to start freaking out about something like this. When it comes to something to remember, and this is, I'm going to repeat this throughout the show, the Brewers' 40-man roster is full right now. Completely full. So if you're going to make a move, there has to be a corresponding move. And when people are saying, man, why are all these guys still available? Why is Andrew Chafin still available? It's because teams are full. Teams have the guys they want to arrive in camp with right now. So we're going to talk about prospects. We're going to talk about the Brewers' roster. Uh, we're going to have a special guest coming up here shortly as well. And if you want to participate in the show, 855-616-1620. Again, that is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. You can text in. I can read you live on the air. You can call in. We're going to have Kurt Hogue on here in a moment. Uh, we're also, you can tweet me as well, at Dom, D-O-M, underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-O, Cotron-E-O. That's easy way to remember it. we got plenty more to come. We're going to talk some prospects in the future up next with Kurt Hogue. Stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly. WTMJ. You're playing like my number one song on Spotify from the last two years right now, Tommy. Little Mac Miller to get us ready to go. This was Keston Hero's walk-up song at one point last season. Such a good song. Great song. Good, good vibes. Good vibes. Welcome to the Brewers Weekly. I'm Dominic Catronio. Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Everyone, pay for your journalism, please. Whether it's MJS, The Athletic, pay for your journalism. It makes sure that guys like Kurt Hogue can put out great stuff like he put out this week. Dude, how many box scores and video archives did you have to go through just for that Joey Weimer piece alone? I'm so glad that uh, the MILB TV site has a 15-minute scroll-ahead button because uh, <laughs> my fat fingers would be unable to toggle between pitches and it times up really well when you're charting 200 plate appearances <laughs> it times up really well with each pitch amazing amazing stuff kurt hogue of the milwaukee general sentinel joining us right now here on brewers weekly if you're not familiar uh he, the, we're going to talk about joey weimer first but been writing pieces uh this week on some of the prospects uh that are coming up that you're going to hear all about in spring training the next few weeks starting with the joey weimer piece and i think one thing that's happened to joey 
I remember heading into last year, uh, obviously the lockout made things a little bit odd, but heading into last year, coming off of the Robin Young Award for the best you know minor league player, everyone was talking about Joey. And like, hey, yeah, this kid Churio coming up, and hey, Freelix coming too. But, and all of a sudden, in the span of like two months, a lot of folks stopped talking about Joey, and it all went to Sal, and it all went to Jackson, and the trade happened. Do you feel like Joey's kind of been disrespected in his prospect status? I think I don't know. I don't know if I disrespected, but I, I maybe a little bit, honestly. Uh, now that I think about it, I, I just after watching, you know, what he can do and kind of the improvements he made at the end of last year. I mean, this is a guy that's no doubt a top hundred prospect in my mind. I think it should probably be rated a little higher than he is uh, on a few national lists. I guess it all depends on how real you think the plate discipline improvements were with him, but nobody hits the ball harder. And, you know, all he's done in two years uh, in the minors is is produce. And you talk to evaluators. Uh, I've talked to a few scouts about Joey Weimer, and I've talked to some folks in the Brewers organization about Joey. It's like, you can't fake the sound that comes off of his bat. And you saw a few of the swings. He's got power legitimately to all fields, and it feels like, in AAA, he, you mentioned the strike zone discipline. He's really kind of honed that in and attacking strikes. Did anything surprise you, or did you go in with a thought about Joey thinking I was going to find this and I turned out to find something else? I really thought that he would be sort of a hacker up there, that he would, you know, because you, you see the strikeout numbers, and, and they were they were pretty pretty rough, uh, honestly, to start the year at A before getting better at AAA. And I just, you know, kind of with the violent nature of his swing and all the moving parts, it's a funky it's a funky at-bat. It's a funky swing uh, and a funky stance to a degree. So I thought, you know, you kind of have this image in your head of, okay, this guy's going to chase everything that is thrown off the plate. And that's not really the case. There's a lot of swing and miss still, a lot of it even within the strike zone. But for the most part, He's not going out of the zone. He's got good discipline and swings at good pitches, um, which is theoretically a trait that should transfer over to the big leagues. I'm not saying he's, he's you know, Christian Yelich per se in, in his ability to d- determine if it's a ball or a strike out of the hand, but it's not, it's, it's not a, it's, he's not bad in that area. I'll say that. I, I want to throw a name. I don't want to freak people out with this name because this is, I'm not, comparing him but what I'm trying to say here so Aaron Judge in his rookie of the year season in 2017 when he was second in MVP to a guy that had a banging trash can in the background Jose Altuve he had 208 strikeouts he led all of baseball that season in strikeouts and he undoubtedly was the rookie of the year 52 home runs and you're right he's not a hacker as you dove into the numbers talking about his zone swing rate his out of zone swing rate versus fastballs and non-fastballs. You talk about Aaron Judge, and even this last year, he still struck out nearly 200 times this year, but he also drew a ton of walks. You talk to anybody about Judge, they control fastballs. And I feel like that's what we're starting to see from Joey Weimer. Hey, if you throw a good slider and you beat me, I tip my cap, but I'm not letting you beat me with a fastball. Did you find that? Absolutely. You try to come, you know, you try to attack him inside on the inner half of the plate, and He's he's going to get that bat speed around and beat you. He can even get to the outer half uh, because he just he's so quick with the bat. He can be late to start a swing and still, you know, effortless, effortlessly line a double to the wall or a single or turn into a triple because he's also really fast. 
I don't necessarily think he's going to be a super high on base guy uh, just because he's so aggressive. You know, I, like he he could probably draw more walks than he currently is. I think he showed some ability to be more patient at AAA as well. But you also, with a guy like that, is you don't want him to lose what makes him Joey Weimer. Uh, and what makes him Joey Weimer is that he swings, he's aggressive. He swings the bat. Uh, he attacks pitches when they're in the zone, and he tries to hit them 500 feet. Uh, like when he's playing for the Brewers, this dude is probably going to hit Bernie's Terrace during batting practice. Oh, yeah. That's how much power he has, and you don't you don't want to you you don't want to lose that. Um, and so yeah, I mean strikeouts are you, you do not want strikeouts, and you, you, there's obviously kind of a, a ceiling there uh, where you say you know anything above that is, is detrimental. But there's a lot of guys in baseball today that swing and miss a lot and are still really good hitters. And Aaron Judge, you mentioned, uh, has cut down on it a bunch, but still swings and misses a fair amount. Mike Trout's a guy that comes to mind. Uh, so it's it's just a part of the game. But, you know, he can hit velocity, and that's that's huge. It's, you know, you can't do damage unless you swing the bat. And it's one of those things that I think the Brewers are at this really interesting crossroads of speed and power athletes in their farm system of, you know, Athletes getting ready to arrive. Uh, we're going to talk about Churio in, uh, on the pitching side in the next segment, too, with Gasser. But Weimer, speed and power, you know, 20 stolen bases plus the last couple of seasons. Freelick, a lot of speed. Terang, a lot of contact and a little bit of speed as well. The Brewers are getting ready for this new era of baseball with no shifts, bigger bases, more friendly stolen base restrictions. They kind of are perfectly situated for this. They've got a bunch of different kinds of hitters. There's not a ton of guys that in the system right now that are like Weimer. Churio's, you know, probably might have, you know, out of the top guys has the next most power, and he's got a ton of power too. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a, it's you know it's a lot of different types of hitters, and and I think the organization has talked about that too. Is is you you kind of if you're going to put a lineup together, a different you know a diverse diversity in hitters is important. It's a it's a good thing to have. You know, you want as as much as you you want contact and you want speed. You also need some guys that are going to trade contact for some swing and miss, but also go for swinging for the fences too. Um, and and hopefully it all blends together to to put together a, a good offense. I agree. We got plenty more to come with Kurt Ho. We're going to talk about the Wonder Kid, Jackson Chorio, and Robert Gasser, who you may or may not remember that name from last summer. Plenty more to come from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinels, Kurt Hogue. If you got a question, you can text it in, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620, the old National Bank talking text line. Stay with us. More to come. Hey, this one's for you. Baby, you might. Did you see the Drake bit, Tommy, after the LeBron James record? Uh, go ahead. That was really funny. Yes, I did see that. That, made, that just made me think of that with his rejoiner. <laughs> that was really funny. Congrats to LeBron. And congrats to Brian Anderson, voice of the Brewers on television, getting to call the historic moment uh, as well. We're still with Kurt Hogue. Kurt, did you watch any basketball last night, by the way? Were you, were you, were you locked in on LeBron? I, I watched the I watched the three or four or five minutes leading up to LeBron breaking the record, and then I watched him break the record, and I... Uh, I was also tuned in for BA's call, which was, you know, classic BA brilliance, by the way. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Texted BA, just said him congrats, and 
He's already he's already on the grind. He's in New York. He's got the Nets tomorrow night on TNT. So uh, it all worked out for him. But hey, we're talking with Milwaukee Journal Sentinels Kurt Hogue for another segment here, talking about the future. Talking about Joey Weimer in the last segment, and we're also going to talk about the kid that's been stealing the headlines, and it seems deservedly so. Obviously, Jackson Trurio, a top ten prospect consensus in all of baseball, top three according to some science, which means you know come May he will be the number one prospect in baseball because the guys ahead of him, Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll, will be starting the year in the big leagues. So that means at some point when they lose their prospect status, it will be Jackson Trurio, a Milwaukee Brewers prospect, as the number one prospect in baseball and a position player prospect for that matter. This is something that it's kind of uncharted territory for the Brewers. It kind of isn't. I think back to Braun and Fielder. But this is someone, I mean, the words and the comps and the comparisons and the just analysis around this kid have been eye-opening, and these are words you don't throw around about how good this kid could be. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's stunning too because it all happened in one year. A lot of the times, you know, these guys are either dr- they're drafted high and then they're kind of around for a couple of years, and they produce and you know kind of prove the evaluators and the draft right on what they saw. Jackson Churio was. Last last year, this time he was an 18 year old that you kind of had to be a pretty big prospect head to not only know but kind of say, okay, this kid's going to be like this kid's got potential. Uh, and <laughs> now here we are a year later, and we're talking about him being the top prospect in baseball. Uh, you know, once like you said, the rankings trickle down a bit. So that's it's crazy. It's it has legitimately been insane in the last year. I remember when he came, and you mentioned this in the story as well when he visited Milwaukee and was walking around and you got a chance to chat with him as well. And, you know, he wasn't shy about the fact that, yeah, I'd love to contribute in 2023. Is there a timeline for him to contribute in 2023? What would, in your eyes, he have to do in order to make this absolutely astronomical jump from double A to the big leagues as a teenager? Uh, Be Juan Soto, maybe? Exactly. the answer? Uh, I mean, he would like. If you, I don't think it's a, it's all that realistic a possibility. Honestly, if you kind of look at it, uh, you know, he'll probably start in Double A. And w- when you're in Double A, there's always a legitimate chance that you're up in the bigs by the end of the year. Look at Garrett Mitchell. Uh, but there is still some development. I think that you know, there's no need for the Brewers to rush it. Particularly, there's only 19. Uh, there's some parts that aren't super refined, but what might come with time. So yeah, I, I think maybe late 2024. Possibly even 2025, not to you know put a wet blanket on things, but like I don't think the Brewers are in any rush with him. Do you think there's an aspect of Churio's game that's sort of underrated? We all get enamored with the home runs and the speed. Is there anything that you see in Churio that maybe a lot of folks need to realize is something that he also has in his bag that he can bring and can continue to work on this season? A few things. I mean, you know, on the field, he gets good good ratings and good reviews in center field, which is a position he just switched to last year. And that kind of overall speaks to his general athleticism. Like, I don't necessarily think he's a freak athlete, you know, like Joey Weimer is, but his athleticism feels like it's tailor-made for baseball, really. I mean, you watch his swing, and it's like, why couldn't I, you know, when I was when I was playing in high school, have had that, that sort of natural ability to get all my body parts to move in sync kinetically and just this violent action that he has with the bat yet he controls it so well um that's honestly what you know what impresses me the most 
there's also the reviews that the Brewers give on his, you know, his off-field makeup and his maturity are, um, are, are, are they rave about that as well. I mean, that's why they were so comfortable pushing him so hard last year. Uh, you know, this 18-year-old kid who's hasn't played any complex ball, you know, in Arizona, really, they go straight to Carolina. And then after two months there, he goes straight to Wisconsin. Uh, and then when his season's done there, why not send him to Biloxi for a couple weeks? It's, uh, it, 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 the actions also, you know, their word, their words say one thing about what they think about his makeup, but then the actions back it up too, which is, you know, stands out to me. I do want to shift over to Robert Gasser now. And again, we're talking to Kurt Hogue, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel wrote three great pieces so far this week about some of the prospects that you've heard of and you've seen in the prospect lists the last couple of weeks, but wanted to give some more context and a little more of a deep dive on these guys from a local spin on it. You can, you can find that online uh, with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. But Robert Gasser, I am bringing up the Josh Hader trade. I tried making a promise to myself. I'm done talking there about it. There it is. There it is. But it, we do, this, is, this is how he came to the organization. And the way that a few evaluators that I talked to about Gasser say, look, People get wrapped up with prospect rankings during the deadline of saying like, oh, this guy was only a number eight prospect. He's not good enough for Josh Hader. Well, San Diego's system was so loaded that Gasser would have been a top three prospect in a lot of other, in a lot of other systems. And this system's pretty top heavy as far as position player talent, but it feels like Gasser, somebody that developing the, the Brewers magic touch, if you will, is somebody that... You learned about his breaking ball. You learned about his cutter that he's working on that despite a lack of velocity, he's got some pitch ability to him. What did you learn about Robert Gasser? Yeah, I mean, you think of like your, you know, your vintage kind of lanky lefty and that's him. You know, I don't think, and who knows, you know, I wouldn't thought Corbin Burns would be Corbin Burns now, but I don't, I don't think he'll quite be at that level. But the big thing with, with Gasser is he looks like he's going to be a big league starter. He's got enough pitches. The slider's really nasty as well. And you look at a couple of years down the road now, unless the Brewers ink some of these starters to longer-term deals, they, the prospects they have right now are mostly on the position player side. They don't have a lot of guys like Gasser uh, to, to, to fill some of those voids. they got some lower-end guys that I'll be writing about tomorrow, a little plug there. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Gasser's going to be really important for them simply because he looks like he's going to be a big league starter. And honestly, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at any point this year, you know, maybe as a starter, maybe in the bullpen, kind of depends on what the team needs there. But uh, he's, not, he's not that far away. The Brewers do kind of have a, a bit of a log jam, is that in that four, five, six, seven starter depth, especially with the Ashby news today, that he might be a little bit behind in camp. Not that he was expecting to start, but look, Wade Miley was injured most of last season. Uh, there were injuries flying around this rotation, and it, it led to Jason Alexander and Ethan Small having to make starts. But if Robert Gasser is putting consistent starts together, like we saw last year with Ethan Small, you, you're thinking there's an opportunity for him to maybe help out the team if the situation is right come you know, maybe mid-part of the season, June, July, if, if things shake out that way. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Brewers roster is, you know, as been talked about a fair amount this offseason, they have a lot more starting pitching depth. Which may not, which may mean that they don't need to call on Robert Gasser, but and and it's also not the forty man, uh, which as you know, you're sort of talking about that a little earlier. Um, so there would be a, a couple more obstacles and hurdles to have to clear to you know for him to be the guy. But if he's showing you at AAA that he's you know he's too good for that level, there's no reason to hold him back. 
uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I still think there's some things for him to work at, but work on. But developmentally, he's you know even though he was pitching at high A last July, he's not that far away from being big league ready. And like I mentioned, that slider earlier is one of the best pitches in the entire Brewers system. Uh, and you know you'd think in relief he could you know maybe bump the velocity up and and play up that slider. So. We'll see. We'll see if he's on if he's on the if he's in the mix in uh, in 2023. But uh, there's there's good reason to believe that you know there's some pitching help uh, on the way in a system that doesn't have a ton of it. That's great stuff as always from our friend Kurt Hogue of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. You can follow him on Twitter, Kurt Hogue, but Kurt with a Y. There's a whole story with that. We don't need to get into that. Kurt Hogue, H O G G on Twitter. Thank you uh, as always. I know you got. Uh, uh, a baby in the crib right now, teething and going through all that fun stuff. So appreciate you making some time for this on Wednesday night. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. All right, Kurt Hogue joining us here. Let's talk about the roster. Let's talk about the lineups. Let's talk about everybody freaking out about my tweet this morning. So stay with us. This is Brewers Weekly. I'm Jay. Humming along here on Brewers Weekly. Roster projections are guaranteed clicks. Right, Tommy Wirtz, producer here tonight. They are. I saw yours today. Yeah. It, it, I also misspelled Corbin Burns in it. So Ooh. I, I was doing it during the Wisconsin morning news this morning. So. I'm not the grammar police. I didn't even notice. Yeah. It's because I stayed up past my bedtime last night watching LeBron James. So look, man, I'm up at three in the morning, so I need to I need to get my, my rest. But let's talk about this projection I put out. This is 1.0. This is February 8th's projection. Okay. We are still 50 days away from opening day. This is not set in stone. This is not the end of the world. This is my opinion. My opinion. I also want to get to a texter, Doug, chiming in, talking about the Robert Gasser move. Doug saying, basically, the trade turned out to be hater for Gasser. Do you think Gasser will be a number one, make the trade look a little better? Well, Doug, I counter with the fact that you also got William Contreras technically out of the hater deal because you traded Este Uri Ruiz to the A's in that three-team deal in order to get Contreras to the Brewers. So essentially, I mean, yes, it didn't work out with Rodgers at the end. Yes, they DFA'd Lamette. But at the same time, the Brewers got, what was it, ended up being six players technically because they got two others as well from the Braves for the Josh Hader deal, for a year and a half of Hader. So it all worked out in that regard. I know people are frustrated. It is what it is. We're done talking about the Hader deal. Cool. Uh, this this season, 2023 now. Here's my lineup. This is what I would roll out right now. Things can change. So what I would roll out right now on opening day. And I don't, I don't, I'm just assuming it's going to be a righty. I'm just assuming it's going to be Tyone or Stroman. We don't know if Kyle Hendricks is going to be starting opening day because remember he went off-season shoulder capsule surgery. We don't know if he's going to be ready. But the point is, it's probably going to be a righty that you're facing from the Cubs. Yelich is going to lead off and left. Adamas is going to bat second at short. Telez is going to bat third at first. That's pretty much unchanged from last year. I've got Contreras batting cleanup as the catcher. Winker batting fifth as the designated hitter. Luis Arias as my third baseman, batting sixth. Garrett Mitchell in center, batting seventh. Then I've got Bryce Terang at second base, batting eighth. And Tyrone Taylor in right field, batting ninth. Which means the bench would look like this, in my opinion. Mike Brasso, Victor Caratini, I think those two guys are locks. Those two guys are locks on this roster. Whether or not they're starting or... I mean, you need a backup catcher, obviously, but Brasso 
For what he did last year, what he does against lefties, I think he's a lock. I got Brian Anderson, obviously, because he's virtually a lock. And then I've got Keston Hira. And a lot of folks are immediately asking, well, wait, what about Toro? Well, wait, what about Miller? Well, wait, wait, you brought Terang up already, but not Freelick? Okay, let's, let's assess all of this. Remember what I talked about a little bit ago. The 40-man roster is full. Know who's not on the 40-man roster right now? Bryce Terang. Or excuse me, sorry. Bryce Terang is on the 40-man roster. Who's not on the 40-man roster is Sal Freelick. Bryce was added to avoid the Rule 5 draft this past offseason. Sal is not on the 40-man. Now, there's always corresponding moves at the end of camp. Guys getting cut, things of that nature. There's probably going to be a spot or two available. But Sal would need to be added to the 40-man if he's going to make the team out of opening day. So that's one hurdle for him to clear. As for Toro and for Miller, the things going against those guys is they have option years remaining. And quite frankly, the offensive numbers for what they would bring to the table, if you can keep them in the minor leagues for a year, when Brian Anderson is in a walk year, Jesse Winker is in a walk year, trying to figure out what you have with those guys, you're going to use it. You're going to use the option years when you're a team like the Brewers. So that's what's going against them. And the Brian Anderson trade probably really impacted their spots as well, too. Those are probably the next two guys getting on if Brian Anderson doesn't get traded for, right? The Brian Anderson deal felt like a safety net. That was more of like the parachute. It's like, hey, we like these guys. We acquired them. But part of the reason the Brewers acquired them in their eyes is saying, hey, we know they have options. Toro's only got one option you're remaining, though. So if you option him this year, you can't option him in 2024. Uh, and then Miller, he's got two option years remaining. So you can option him this year and next year. So keep that in mind moving forward. Uh, I had a couple of folks asking about Jesse Winker and where do you put him. Winker's going to be a DH. I, I This thought of him playing right field, it, it's not going to happen. Uh, something crazy, he's an emergency break glass in case of emergency outfielder because the Brewers have so many on the roster, right? You got Tyrone still. You need a fourth outfielder, a legitimate fourth outfielder, and Brian Anderson can play right field. So what I think is going to happen in this lineup in particular, I had Tyrone playing right and Anderson on the bench. I don't see the Brewers in this you know, lineup putting Brian Anderson in the game at third base and Tyrone Taylor playing right field. Because that means if something happens, there's a lot more movement that needs to go. Now, they have coverage, you know, on the infield especially. But to have, you know you're going to have Yelich in left, and you know you're going to have Mitchell in center. When Freelick arrives, that's even fewer chances for Winker to play right field. So, no, Winker is, I'd be shocked if Winker's playing defense this year at any point. It's going to be, it's kind of like, Remember when Andrew McCutcheon was playing center field randomly last season? That's that's kind of how it feels. It, it's very much in case of emergency, one in a million type situation. He is going to be the DH this year heading into 2023. Uh, we are going to talk about the bullpen in the next segment, but I loved the interaction on it. I loved everyone reaching out. But I do want to end this position player note on Keston Hira and on Sal Freelick. Keston is out of options. This is the most important spring training for Keston Hira. If he does not hit, if he does not show defensive improvement, it might be the end. I'm just preparing you for that right now. I know 2019 was a fever dream and it was so much fun, 
but he's just not the same player. And mentally, swing-wise, swing and miss, I mean, it, it's a thing. It happens. This game is hard. This game is very, very hard. And not having any options, not having that flexibility, puts the Brewers in a tough spot dealing with a fan favorite, Keston Hira. So he's got a very big spring ahead of him. Finally, on Sal Freelich. Sal Freelich, again, not on the 40-man roster, but he is listed on top 100 prospect lists. Remember in the last CBA, if the Brewers have him on the roster on opening day and he finishes in the top three in Rookie of the Year voting, the Brewers get a compensation draft pick. This happened last year with the Mariners and Julio Rodriguez. It would have happened with the Orioles and Adley Rutschman, but he was hurt coming out of camp. But in turn, because Adley won AL Rookie of the Year, he got a full year of service time because he didn't get a chance to do it. That, that's how it all works out, the, to fight service time manipulation. So there is an incentive to have Sal Freelich on the roster on opening day if he finishes top three in, MV, in Rookie of the Year voting or top five in MVP, which would be amazing. But if he finishes in that, the Brewers get a, a free draft pick. Keep that in mind. We're going to talk about the bullpen up next, and we'll get ready to wrap up the show a little bit later on. Come on in, 855-616-1620, I think the Bruno Mars halftime show was a top five halftime show. Ooh, that was a good one. That was a really good one. I liked uh, Shakira J-Lo. That was fun. Yeah, that, was that one was fun. fun. That was just fun. Uh, for me, it's Prince. Prince is probably my favorite one. What, what year was that? Mm, 2005, 2006 Ooh, yeah, in Miami. I, I don't think I watched that one. And it rained, and he yep. did Purple Rain in the rain. Yep. Poetic. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, we're talking about the Brewers. We're not talking about Super Bowl halftimes. I think Rihanna's going to put on a great show. Uh, Brewers Weekly, 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talking text line. Doug chiming in. I see Taylor, Tyrone that is, hitting 25 home runs this year, even batting ninth. I like your optimism. Hey, the shift could help him. Home runs, he can't shift a home run, but he got hit hard by the shift. He will not be batting ninth best. very long if <laughs> yeah, he hits 25, 25 homers. homers. That would be great to see for him, uh, but the Brewers try to figure out what they have. Let's talk about the bullpen a little bit here on that roster projection I put out at Dom underscore C-O-T-R-O-N-E-L. The number one question I got, I did not put Jake Cousins on my opening day uh, bullpen. And this was before the Aaron Ashby news came out as well, so that may impact this as well. The other thing... I want to remind folks, same reason I talked about Toro and Miller. Cousins also has options. Cousins is another right-hander. Yes, he could throw out leverage innings, which is what the Brewers need. And he could switch him out for maybe a Bryce Wilson. And the Brewers just traded for Bryce Wilson for cash. Not a lot of cash, albeit, but it's certainly a candidate to take an eye at if you're going to pull somebody out of there. But you think about the first month of the season, you need length. Starters aren't stretched out yet. You want, you know, starters are going to go five, six innings tops. So you want that guy, that Ashby, that Wilson, that Hauser to go two innings to then get it to your main guys, two, three innings in order to make sure that everybody's fresh when the innings start to get a little hotter and things are getting uh, back and moving for the 2023 season. But the main reason I left Cousins off, the fact that he has options remaining, his health is another reason. Remember, he was not healthy really at all last season with his elbow and Furthermore, you need to see the performance. I mean, the wild pitches he was throwing last year, he really lost command of the slider at times. Eight walks in 13 innings. Yes, 21 strikeouts last year in the big leagues. But need to make sure he reigns in that control again. He will be pitching in the big leagues this season. Mark my words, assuming he's healthy. I just didn't put him on my opening day roster. 
I also did not put Gus Varland on my opening day roster, who's the Rule 5 selection from the Dodgers. And remember, when you select a guy in Rule 5, it's not a guarantee the guy's going to make the team. In fact, more often than not, the guy gets sent back. Or there's a trade made out and things like that. The Brewers don't have a really long track record with Rule 5 draft picks in the Stearns era. Um, Their last three picks have really not worked out. But at the same time, it's something on the wall. It's something to figure out, see what you got. And I want to remind folks, yes, the Brewers see something with Varland. They hope they can keep him around, but he still had a 1-6 ERA as a, or excuse me, a 1-6 whip as a reliever last year. Yeah, ERA and whip, very different numbers. 1-6-4-2 was his whip last year. In double A, mind you, and a 4.7 walks per nine. Granted, double-digit strikeouts per nine, which is what the Brewers are enamored with. But it's not a done deal that just because he was selected in the Rule 5 draft means that he's going to be on the opening day roster. I put Javi Guerra on there. That was one of the first targets for Matt Arnold. Guys that throw hard, guys that can throw leverage innings, have experience in leverage innings. That's what the Brewers are looking for. There was some disrespect for Peter Strzelecki in the in the replies, and I will not stand for that. Peter Strzelecki's nasty. His slider really has the makings and the groundwork of one of the best. You know, we talk about exit velo for batters. We talked about Joey Weimer about it a little bit ago. Spin rate, you can't fake. Don't talk to Garrett Cole about spider attack, but hey, 3,000 RPMs on a slider is real, and he does it very, very well. I stress like he's on this team, especially how he performed down the stretch last season. Obviously, Devin Williams is on the team. Obviously, Matt Bush is on the team. Obviously, uh, Adrian Hauser is on the team. So, when it comes to the bullpen, I look at the the Jake Cousins debate. I look at the Gus Varland debate. How will Ashby's injury impact them? Uh, or any of the new 40-man additions? Or even some of the new offseason additions kind of under the radar, like the Tyson Millers that kind of flew under the radar. The Jansen Junk, Alex Claudio on a non-roster invite. Those guys might get a little longer look if Ashby is injured. We're going to wrap up the show with some unbreakable baseball records next. Jay. Some rapid fire, unbreakable records to wrap up this show here. Tommy Wirtz, I'm Dominic Catronio. All right, I'm just going to. Can you guess the name of the player? And I will give the number for the stat. Okay, we got about a minute. You ready to go? Let's go. The most consecutive games played in baseball history 2,632. Cal Ripken. Okay, we're starting easy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Most hits in a single season, 262. Ichiro Suzuki. Nice job. Most strikeouts in a career, 5,714. Is that Nolan Ryan? That is correct. Most stolen bases in a career, 1,406. Ricky Henderson. You saw the viral tweet with that one, too. Most stolen bases in a season, 130 in 1982. Also Ricky Henderson. That's more than most teams in all of baseball last year. Yeah, it's like a rookie, 28 straight years, 50 stolen bases. Here's the fun stuff. 36 triples in a single season. Sam Crawford? No. No, that's all-time triples. I don't know that one, then. Chief Wilson. Owen Wilson playing at Old Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Here's a good one. (laughs) Fewest strikeouts in a full season for a qualified batter. Uh, Tony Gwynn. No. Three in 1932 by Joe Sewell. What a guy. He had 576 plate appearances. He only struck out three times. Yeah. That's how we wrap up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Keep on swinging.